think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy playoffs, everybody. Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. It is a podcast hosted by a sleep-deprived Serbian who is simultaneously loving and hating every second of the playoff months. My name is Miroslav Cuk, calling from Pančevo, Serbia, and this will be episode 48 of this slightly revamped show. Our Denver Nuggets are in the Western Conference Finals again. We've seen certain well-known writers predicting them being eliminated by either Wolves or Thunder in round one, and that was a gentleman's sweep by the Nuggets. Then came second round, so naturally ESPN, that house of some great basketball minds, but also a house of amazingly large number of clicks-driven, hot takes, social network engineers employed instead of NBA analysts, as their writers and analysts to predict the serious outcome, and 12 of them picked the Suns, only four of them, namely Jerry Bambry, Bobby Marks, Ramona Shelburne, welcome to the club, Ramona, all is forgiven, and Omb Young Misuk picked the better team. I kind of think the tide is finally turning. More and more people are admitting what kind of fools they have been, but we'll see. ESPN is taking over the Western Conference Finals games, So expect epic amounts of rectal alpinism towards King James. It's going to be so beautiful to watch if the series happened the way I expected to. My personal favorite piece of news were Bill Simmons and uh, Ryan Rossillo admitting publicly they have voted for Embiid for MVP because they were harassed. And Simmons putting it out, out there that he might regret that decision for the rest of his life. He wanted for that to sound like a joke, but we all know it wasn't. Uh, Another uh, favorite part of mine of this uh, amazing Nuggets playoff run, apart from the fact that it is my team that is kicking ass instead of some other, is the fact that the team from Denver will finally be able to unite American sports writers who are traditionally focused on superstars and their individual greatness and European writers who will always tell you the team is what matters. The first group gets to talk in length about Jokic's otherworldly playmaking and scoring, about his Robin in Jamal Murray, who finally had consecutive super mature games, and also the most little two-man game created by those two. But up until the end of eight, uh, game four against the Suns, 
nobody could have made an honest statement that the combined star power of Jokic and Murray is greater than one of Booker and Durant. Yet, we know deep in our hearts and our souls, even after two losses in Arizona, that the Nuggets are a way better team. Sure, Jokic is a unique superstar similar to LeBron, Larry Bird or Merge Johnson that makes every effing teammate a better player. Steph is in that group too, but it's just a different kind of playmaking from his side. On the Suns, Booker was amazing. His playmaking, though, is nowhere near Nikola's level. There were possessions on Thursday night when you'd see campaign dribble, 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 pass to Booker, dribble, 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 pass to Durant, dribble, 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 heavily contested two that sometimes go in and sometimes it doesn't. That's not a team. Suns fans will point out that CP3 got injured three quarters into game two. And by the way, they've lost both of those two games he was playing in. But we'll forget to mention he was a constant target on defense because he is 78 years old and he's not taller than me. And I'm serious. I am six foot tall in those thick pro shoes. Okay, that's enough rant from me. It's time to introduce my panel for today. First, the guy you haven't listened to, I believe, since June 2020, in one of those quarantine episodes of DNBA show, but you read him often on the dnvr.com. He has been a Colorado sports writer for over a decade, a Nuggets fan for 30 years, and one of the original Denver Stiffs. Please give a warm welcome to Mike Olson. What's up, Mike? Miroslav, such a pleasure to get to meet you today. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it, it feels like we've known each other for, for a very, very long time, but this is actually the first time we are, we are uh, uh, spending time in, in the same virtual room. I, I am reminded of the longtime listener, first-time caller phrase. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to finally get to see your face while we chat instead of the back and forth that we have online all the time. Mike, you are truly great at writing. I I I'm reading your stuff for like last eight years or something like that, and that's something I've always wanted to do, and hopefully will be able to do more in my autumn years that are coming soon. So well, I'm I'm into those. Maybe that's fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, you used to be a singer, just like mm -hmm. I did many years ago. Mm -hmm. And one thing you have in common with my other guests today, you used to play the trombone. Now, I didn't because I was way cooler. I was playing the guitar, but uh, you don't need to comment on that. It's way music. cooler. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're also a big shot in your daily work, but your passion for writing still lasts. You've seen many ups and downs of our beloved Nuggets in these past 30 years. So how great it is to witness the, the, the current iteration of the team. It's, um, it's uh, for those of us who've been doing this for, for that long, and, and I know folks who've been doing it a lot longer than me, actually, Miro, um, it's really heartwarming. It's really encouraging to see the team like this. Um, and, and I wrote a little bit about this this last week. It's it's a different feeling this year than it has been before. A lot of times, you know, even, even three years ago when we made it to the Western Conference Finals, you know, you make it through two series where you've got to go to game sevens just to get out of them, um, out from under 3-1 burdens, and, and you feel like you're kind of lucky to have gotten there. Um, I feel like we belong there this year, and um, 
I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to keep surprising people through the remainder of this season. So it's, it's exciting. It's crazy. Jokic was barely 25 back then. Jamal was, you know, 23. Yeah. Michael Porter was was nowhere rookie near. Season. Mike's, yeah, Mike's yeah. rookie season. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's going to be different. Yeah, <sighs> yeah it's, it, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So let me introduce my other guest, the one I have a special bond with for many years. Fellow trombone player. <laughs> dating <laughs> his days on the Denver Stiffs. I wanted to call him and see if he has changed his outfit since Thursday night, since he probably wrote until 5 a.m. after spending 24 consecutive hours on Twitter, which I know he did. His name is Brendan. I call him Branco. Well, actually, that's a lie. I wanted to call him that, but that's just stupid. But he has everybody's vote of confidence. So welcome. Well, I guess I already said your entire name. Welcome, dude. Fellas, fellas, what's happening? Always happy, Brilliant. first of all, to be on with some fellow musicians. That's, that's the just first. For, just for the record, when I wrote this joke with a vote of confidence six months ago, <laughs> I wrote vote exactly like you write, you know, town in brown town. So completely wrong. <laughs> that's... It, it felt like a six-month-old joke, Meryl. It's perfect. <laughs> 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 to be on with my two most mature friends um it's oh. you guys adam and eric and you guys clear those two for sure so this is i'm looking forward to an adult conversation about the denver nuggets should be fun exciting yeah yeah actually mike is just the second uh, guest of mine ever to be older than me so eric is the, the other one so yeah wow you wouldn't, I, you wouldn't so, so seniority seniority is is real here. I don't know if I feel if I feel honored or just creepy now, but yeah. <laughs> can I can I tell you guys? I know you have a whole rundown, Miroslav, but yeah. can I tell you guys a story about the trombone? Yes, I, please. I was too small, if if you can believe it. I know it. You got to really stretch your imaginations for this, but I was a little too small to play the full size trombone in elementary school. But I was good at it. It was my bet. I had like an intuitive. So the teacher said you should stick with it but you're too small. So he tied a, a string around my middle finger to the slide and I would throw it into uh, is it seventh or eighth position, Mike? Seventh. 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 Thank you. I would throw it all the way out there and, and catch it with a string on my finger and pull it back. <laughs> um, it looked ridiculous, but I did get my own solo once in the fifth grade concert, my own song. So I think that's when I first became a narcissist. <laughs> you want to hear a, a creepy thing? Yes. So my next Freaker question for you was, so Brendan, you used to play the trombone just like Mike did. Did you have any anecdotes from Perfect. that time? And yep. that was the anecdote. There you By go. the way, there it is. you are able to hear this story and many other cool stories if you go back to February 2019 on the Denver Stiffs podcast channel when these two gentlemen spoke in depth about both of their careers, writing and otherwise. It was a really cool interview. I like to come back to now and then because I'm a mad stalker. Okay. <laughs> let's let's jump start this show. Cool. So for the start, let's check on the recent history. I was asked in official capacity on the Four Corners podcast, shout out Ray and Peter, to predict how the Sun series would unfold. And I was feeling myself that night. I was slamming Sun's depth 
their comical defensive potential, their my turn, your turn offense. And yet, when it was time to make an official prediction, I kind of caved, said it would be a tough series, but that there's no way the Suns would get to the game seven. So I ended up actually on a Nuggets in six, which, which actually happened, but it was in a way easier fashion than what I predicted when I was faced with the tribunal of digital eternity. So how did your journey look like, you know, right before and through the Suns series? Let's start with Mike. What, what was your feeling before the series and afterwards? I, um, I I found myself in the fortunate position of never having to um, put that uh, down in in writing or or online anywhere. But um, a couple of buddies I I was chatting with about it at length I, a couple of times. I said I thought the Nuggets would win it in five. Um, so they had a lot to say when when the Suns won both of those home games. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was. I I thought I thought we could take them. Um, they they actually. I, I think we had a couple of a couple of tough games there. We we should have taken one of those two games anyway. They were they were both pretty close. Yeah, I thought uh, I went with Nuggets and seven on the official DNVR prediction. Coward. Well, I felt that way immediately. I wanted to say Nuggets and five, and then after two games, I was so or so mad at myself for chickening out. I was like, oh, this looks like a fiver for sure. Uh, especially when the Chris Paul news came out, which ultimately helped Phoenix, but we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. After, after two games, I was like, this is done. This is an easy series. And then it was a, it was a good reminder for me in games three and four, that even when there's separation, like when you get to the second round, and I think it's important for Nuggets fans to remember this with the Lakers, even the better team, it's a long series, man. And like, it's, it's really hard to sweep and there's, there's room for, you know, even if it takes one team's best case scenario to compete, there's room for that to happen once, twice, even three times in a series. So it was a good reminder that, like, we often swing between four and seven. But look, there's a lot of middle ground. Yeah, in Europe, we have a saying that it's really, really hard to beat the same opponent twice. In of course. A row. Yeah. You know, and if you have to do it four times in short time span, it's... It, it's it's never easy, but but we'll see. We'll see. I'm kind of optimistic. Things could could get a tiny bit easier Me in too. the next round, but Me but too. we'll we'll talk about it hmm. soon. Okay, so it's time for a short commercial break. But first, Pearl Jam. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back. I want to use this segment to talk about the amazing team the Nuggets are. Sure, it's always easier to analyze the games player by player, and we'll do some of that later. But first, I want to talk about these eight great dudes we have, uh, that have played almost all of the non-garbage minutes. I think I recall DeAndre Jordan playing several real minutes in game one against the Wolves. But other than that, it was Jamal, Bruce, KCP, Christian Brown, MPJ, Jeff, Aaron, and Nicola. The eight guys Michael Malone trusts they will stay on a string defensively, but also can play different styles on offense. Not all uh, playoff games looked like the last one, when those closing three minutes of the first quarter were enough for the Suns to completely quit and give us 24 minutes of real garbage time. (laughs) What is Denver's biggest strength as a unit? I mean, is it that everybody knows their role, their trust in each other, lack of selfishness, coaching, continuity, culture? Pick something, Brendan. It's a great question. I would say it's the the selfishness area of sacrifice, which which tends to go hand in hand with knowing your role, you know. But it's it's the Lakers are in a different place with this than the Suns. But you can't really win a title at the deadline, and part of it is because you have to sort of learn the various ways, the myriad ways you both win and lose together. Why that is, who should be where in crunch time, and for as many new pieces as this team in terms of the one through eight is incorporating. The, the core of it, of who they are, what they want to do, um, and who the top guys are, it hasn't changed. And their understanding of it is there. And then you look at guys like AG, KCP, and of course even MPJ, in my opinion, who exemplify this understanding of sacrifice. And he'll say occasionally that he should get more involved, but the reality is on the court he's found a way to only take up so much space and to demonstrate, I think, a little self-awareness in terms of his role. So for me, Mike, that's it's that that sacrifice selfishness area where, you know, Miroslav joked about campaign. Like you would never see a player like, especially after the Bones trade. I love him. You would never see a player come in and just hijack possessions from Jokic, Murray, etc. I think that's right. I think I think it. Um, I think beyond that, for me, it goes back to uh, one of the things you mentioned, Miroslav, and just their time together, um, both as the core over the years. I mean, this this core has enough time together that, you know, you watch Jamal and Joker together and they're just, they're symbiotic, basically, right. and how they, how they revolve around each other on the floor. But I also, I thought that um, one of the things that took um, Mike Malone from a really good coach to a great coach this season was his willingness to flex on some things like mm. playing rookies on the floor, like um, eating some possible losses during the course of the year to get these guys on the string that they're on now. And so to Brendan's earlier point, 
Um, there's an experience both in, in terms of the long term and in terms of how much time these guys had together this year collectively in comparison to both what we just saw from the Suns and I truly believe what we're about to see from the Lakers. Um, I think they're a better defensive squad because they've got better defensive players, sure. but are they all synchronized the way that we are? Um, that'll that'll be a key to the whole thing. You know what's interesting to me? We have, you know, the big three in, in, in Nicola, Jamal, and, and Michael Porter. But then we have the other big three on the team. And these are the guys I like to call the, the, the grown-ups. And it's Bruce Brown, KCP, and Aaron Gordon. Mm -hmm. Because those three guys, I trust them with my life. <laughs> those guys, I, I mean, they can have a bad game. They can have a bad decision. They can, uh, uh, you know, lose you a game. But it's never because they're not trying. Those three guys are so focused. They know what's their job. Right. They know. I mean, KCP and Aaron are here for the long haul, for the for the long run. We'll see about Bruce Brown. We can be too optimistic about his thing. Remember, after these playoffs, these amazing playoffs from him. But when you add those six guys together, and then you had. Then you have Christian Brown, who is, and that's a really important thing. He's been playing on a college level for a while. Right. He he wasn't a one and done guy, and that's really really important because, you know, the the only real knock on uh, on American young players coming to the NBA is the fact that they've spent only one year playing for a professional coach, because totally. before that, you know, it's just high school teachers and, and stuff like that. And then if you have a guy like Michael Porter Jr. who was injured for most of his one college year, that's a really big, big problem for his development. So this is why he needed so much ex extended time on top of all the injuries that happened afterwards. But we see how many years he, he took to become what he is today. And today I'm like, if you ask me, if I want to put Michael Porter on LeBron for a few possessions, I will tell you, yeah, why not? I mean, let's try it out. I, I have no real fears about that. I mean, LeBron, you'll, you'll probably have a good matchup against, against anybody, but yeah. he will not be hunting Michael this time around. And then there's the last guy in, in, uh, in Jeff Green, a guy I, I also like a lot. I mean, he's the only guy the Nuggets fans and analysts are split on about whether he should be one of the eight guys or not. But he's, he's held his part of bargain for someone, now. Someone has to be the eighth guy. That's the yeah. thing. And, like, the vitriol is inevitable, right? Like, he'll be on the bubble of playable in an eight-man rotation the entire time. But I think there's a bottom line that has to be acknowledged in that Malone's eight-man rotation is working. It has worked through two rounds. And that includes with Jeff Green on the floor. Now, there are low lights. I mean, there are long stretches. My biggest problem with the watch along right now is I feel like I need to filter my Jeff Green takes a little more, like just the live reactions a little rough. But I, there, there have been some moments defensively. There have definitely been low lights. He's not rebounding. But I think we have to acknowledge that whatever it is they want to do with these eight guys, having Green on the floor hasn't, hasn't ruined it right and hasn't sabotaged that and 
again, someone has to be that eighth guy. And we spent so long hoping fewer players would play and the rotation would get trimmed down. And of course, naturally, now that we're here, it's like, uh, could you open it up a little bit? Maybe how about <laughs> nine or 10 guys, you know? <laughs> I made a joke at the end of game six, like Malone finally made an adjustment. We have received Peyton Watson and Ish Smith and everybody garbage else. Time in garbage time. <laughs> exactly. He's so funny, man. Of course he played him in garbage time after after teasing his minutes. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if they try to hunt Jeff at all. I don't yeah. think the Lakers are deep enough to do it, basically. I think if I think it's gonna end up being easier. Um, even in the minutes that Jeff is out there to spell others, I think it's going to be easier to hide Jeff in those minutes with who the Lakers are going to have on the floor than the other way around. So I, I still I feel good about this eight. I really do. Yeah, we, we, we'll spend more time on the Lakers matchup hmm. in, in segment four. Before that, I wanted to ask you, did you see any real weaknesses from the team perspective? On the Nuggets that uh, that could, uh, uh, you know, uh, make uh, trouble for the Nuggets in, in the coming series. I, or series. I, I mean, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I, I do think I, I do think that if if somebody's going to end up getting exposed, um, when you look at how things could lay out, I, I think it's still possible that it could be um, Jeff on the second team. Um, I think I think Joker's got a heck of a matchup this round, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, how they end up going at him that way, but man, um, it feels like it feels like Aaron's matchup is favorable. It feels um, it depends on how they match up uh, with him on the far side. It's it's good. Um, I think last round there was a lot to to love, and as long as we can find a way for the bench to show up a little more when we go on the road, the the. Los Angeles can be a tough place to play. Um, I have I have high hopes. Um, should should be fun. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think there's there's probably fewer of these than ever before. You know, in the Jokic years past, even the the lost years to injury, I think I could have conceived of Denver winning any series, right? If it goes just right for them, and this issue doesn't rear its head. Hmm. And I think this is the team more than ever where you go, oh, the basketball argument is close to airtight. There is a bit of the non-Jokic minutes on the road. Now, Bruce Brown was so good in Denver. Um, He also plays with the starters a fair amount. But those three guys were ultimately good enough in Denver. Not so much on the road. That's to be expected to some extent. I think the Lakers are a deeper team than Denver, actually. I think they're a deeper team than Phoenix. Just in terms of... (laughs) They have more guys beyond their top, I guess, four, five, where you go, it could be his turn tonight, right? It could be this guy's. And sometimes, as we, like Lonnie Walker's the the namesake example right now of just, sure. well, that guy got his 15, and, like, we didn't plan for that, and we lost the non-star you know, star minutes. So I do, I do worry a little bit about the non-Jokic minutes, the bench minutes, particularly on the road. That's that's one area where the Lakers could have an advantage. They've post trade deadline, their depth is there. I think as much as I would love to say that they're just a band of mercenaries, I think they're figuring it out. You know, before the the Sun series, the, the the one thing we were most mostly scared of was you know the pick and roll defense. Mm. 
when you have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, by the way, Devin and Kevin, what the hell? Um, that, it's a t-shirt that, for that, next year. That sounded scary, right? I mean, three years ago, oh, oh sorry, two years ago, CP3 was, you know, just an, an enigma that, you know, the, 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 the bad team that we had back then couldn't mm-hmm. solve at all. And uh, Devin Booker was a better player this time around than two years ago. And then you get the, 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 the extra superstar in Durant. But what we've seen this time around is, yeah, we know that Jokic is, has problems when he's left on an island. But as Tim Connolly once said years ago, why the hell would we leave him on an island? Right, there are right. ways to... to 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 make uh, that pressure point go away and just just help him in in one thing he cannot do in defense well and i mean kudos to 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 Aaron Gordon for his defense on on KD this series i mean KD was looking like Jason Tatum in this series <laughs> <laughs> i mean seriously i mean look at those percentages that's that's not really good and i, I, I mean think it, it looked better than tatum but it wasn't more effective and just really quick while we're on the point i'm glad you mentioned aaron gordon because i think he we need to make sure he gets credit for it like ag def I, excuse me KD definitely missed some shots he's hit in the past fatigue crept in the heavy minute heavy field goal there's no doubt but i think every attempt every make or miss gordon did his best to make it a making it a taxing effort right I am there with you physically. I am there to contest every jumper. Like none of it will be easy. Um, for, and for me, a big part of it throughout that series was don't bail either of these guys out considering their workloads. And I just think you have to give Gordon a tremendous, tremendous amount of credit for that relentlessness. And then just the game plan discipline, you know, it's so hard to guard that guy without fouling. I thought he got a tough whistle, but it's not just that Durant looked tired and, and, and old to me. I thought AG looked tremendous defensively mike couldn't agree more. what about kcp on on uh, on devin booker i mean devin booker made like 500 points in games three and four but then he was put back on the ground was it something amazingly from kcp and the other guys switching on on booker or was it just you know uh regress to the mean and just i mean you cannot shoot 90 percent from the field forever i mean at one point you'll have to start missing shots i'm i'm sure it's some of the latter Miroslav, but i i think a lot of it had to do with um you know game five is when the full court pressure picks up right on booker especially from kcp but across the board and yeah. and you saw him i was it the first, the very first run of that series where Booker slugged him in the mouth um, and bloodied him up? Um, you you could tell it was going to be a battle through the game. Um, and and now the Nuggets have those types of guys to put on a guy like that through an entire game, right? You you pull out KCP and you can put in Bruce or Christian right away and and apply the same pressure and and man full court like that for forty eight minutes. And Ida left without talking to the media as well. So uh, <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice. Okay, it's time to take our second break. Don't go anywhere.
Oh, you again. Okay, I guess we still have your attention. Let's now go full American NBA podcast and talk about the superstars. So, Jokic was stupid good. After 11 games, he is fifth in scoring, 30.7 points per game, third in rebounding, 12.8 rebounds per game, 9.7 assists, the second in the, in the playoffs in this season. And his plus minus is like plus 8.3, which is tied for first with, you guessed it, Aaron Gordon and MPJ. All that in only being 23rd in minutes per game, just a bit less than 38 minutes per game, which you should feel pretty, pretty good about it. Now, his current playoff box plus minus this season yeah, I went there. Oh. <laughs> is is 14.3, which yeah, would more. be fourth greatest playoff run in history after 2009 LeBron, 1991 Jordan, and 1988 Hakeem. His career playoff box plus, box plus minus now is 10.3, and that's second only to Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> you know what? It checks out, guys. Time for the eye test. He, he sounds he sounds like a very valuable player, doesn't he? Maybe maybe even a maybe even a, a most valuable sort of a player. I mean, what the hell was that from him? I mean, to be honest, is there anything new you've seen from him in these eleven playoff games, or is it just just more of the usual stuff? For me, Go. the biggest difference, Mike, is. I would say it's more of the usual stuff, but more specifically this dynamic of he has now seen everything. And he went through those MVP seasons without his firepower and his running mates. And <laughs> like we, you know, there's the narrative of player X slowed him down. Anyone who watching closely knows it's a double team, sometimes a triple team. It's it, you know, like without those guys in the playoffs. And I think at this point, between all the battles with his guys, the MVP seasons without it, those playoff runs without him, I think he's just sort of he. There's nothing he hasn't seen, and we know how smart he is. We know how he grows. You know, maybe fool him once, shame on you, or him, or whatever the hell the expression is. But you're just not going to get him again. Is the point? That's what I'm getting at. And he, uh, so I just think it's that. Like at this point, you're not going to catch Jokic by surprise. And to me, it kind of goes hand in hand with the minutes thing too, but the numbers are ridiculous. It gets almost creepy and eerie if you're really watching because how calm is he? How in control is he? Has he looked remotely flustered entering the Western Conference Finals? I would say no, Mike. Never once. And he's just so refined now. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything added to the game. I think it's that everything now just is so much more in rhythm, in course, he's, he's, he's got every tool and he uses right. them so thoughtfully and creatively. And that's what makes the guy on the other side of the equation half the time looks so foolish anymore. Um, he's just, yeah, he's, he is at the peak of his game. He's not even 30 yet. And he's got a game that should last him until he's like 62. So um, I look forward to watching the next 34 years of Jokic <laughs> for the Nuggets because, yeah, it's just just remarkable, just crazy. I am so grateful that he decided not to go for the MVP. I'm so grateful he said, oh, 
guys. I know. I know. <laughs> this is the so stuff. obvious. Now, so obvious. He just decided. Uh, like, I to... have six weeks of like playing uh, recreational basketball. Sweet. I mean, look how engaged on defense he is now. He has no problem. Totally, man. Putting like eighty percent effort on defense every time around, and then just being his best self on offense, which is almost impossible if you think about it. We need to talk a bit about his conditioning because that, that guy is a crazy athlete. I mean, that's that's just amazing. You see, if you, if you harass Kevin Durant, he will not be as good on, on offense. If you harass Devin Booker, I mean, he was kind of jogging around Jamal Murray in those games three and four. I'm not going to lie about that. But on a six-game six series, if you put a lot of pressure on the guy, he will snap at some point and he will not... This guy... I mean, I don't know what to say. I haven't even checked his, you know, steals and blocks in this and deflections in this playoff series because I've seen his defense this time around. And, of course, he's, he's still making those business decisions when a guy is just, you know... Uh, goes uh, around him and scores. He will sure. not foul him. Who cares? I mean, it's just two points, and two points, you know, equals uh, uh, on average like a like a like a hundred uh, um, offensive rating, whatever. So it's it's fine. It's not a problem. So yeah, maybe I've, I'm wrong about that. I have to double check that. Probably not. But. Um, I'm I'm so impressed with his defense, man, and the rest of the stuff is just what we see night in, night out. I mean, th- there might be some some uh, some uh, wrinkles to the actions they're 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 using now, comparing to the regular season. And I would need you know to to have a better basketball mind to to, to talk about those, but. Basically, it's, it's Nuggets basketball in 80% of Suns series if, you know, you wink a bit uh, on those games three and four. Well, and you saw, you saw them take that opportunity, right, to try to take him out of the game. There was a lot of flopping on Jokic beginning in, in the early part of the game. And I think, the, I think because people don't pay as much attention, the book on Jokic for some folks, I think, still is that he can be frustrated, flustered off the floor. You know, take, take cheap fouls or you can get him to commit some. And there were so many times this year that you expected him to to start screaming for the foul something during the series where that would have been him in the past and he's so just true, he's so just true. focused he's just head down does not care if if he gets the call great if he doesn't he's back at the other end of the floor and he's not taking himself out of the game or out of the play anymore it's, it's a, a big great, deal great take man and it's i was talking about this with friend of the show and I quasi host, former host, Voya. Um, we were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that same thing where I think one of Jokic's weaknesses in the past is he would sometimes forget who the opponent is. Um, and I think he was fighting some bigger picture battles. You know what I mean? Like he's willing to get injected in February to have himself be heard about some of the BS, but it also used to infect his playoff performances. And I think right now there's, it goes back to the eerie calmness thing I was talking about. He's like, all right, he'll, he's just laughing up the court rather than losing focus and, and yelling at a ref. Um, he's just laughing like, all right, 
I guess I'm not getting the calls today, but it doesn't matter. And his, his steely focus, I think, is a big part of it. And Miroslav, what you brought up too. I think these are the most underappreciated parts of his series right now. This was to be expected, but listen, if Jokic got filleted in that series defensively, which he did not, right? On the nights when Booker was going off and Durant was going off, it was not Jokic. It would it would lead the headlines. And it's a little too quiet for me, man, in a series with so much firepower for him to have been so far down the list of problem points defensively. Actually a plus defender, I thought, in that series. Denver's front court was great. It's crazy, and it's not getting talked about enough. And then little bow on it, just because I'm I'm rambling, I know. But this, you also touched on this, his how much she has in the tank right now on May 13. I don't think we've seen this for Jokic yet. I think he has another gear. I think he's got another reserve left to tap into. In four days of rest till we see the Lakers. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) What you said about quieting some some voices, I, I was listening to Chris Broussard today. And I was laugh out. I was laughing out loud, man. It was like I was listening to Brendan Vogt, like he was defending Jokic for not having Jamal two years ago, for not having Jamal right. a year ago. Like you cannot, you guys, you cannot call it against him. He didn't have his guy. I mean, what the hell were you talking about for the last two years, man? <laughs> Total revisionist history. I, I loved it. I really loved yeah. it. Okay, so Jamal, let's be honest, he was up and down. Yeah. You know what? Nuggets were able to afford that so far because they are a great team. We've seen him getting hot, then getting cold, and then getting smart. Hmm. Some of his passes to Jokic are just awesome. Sometimes, although not enough, not often enough, in my humble opinion, he surprises us and makes a great pass to Porter or KCP. I definitely think his shot is more pure after he gets his teammates involved first. And when they start running and send an inside-out pass to him, he is burning the net every time. It's when he is in rhythm, I mean, he is is just a dead-eye shooter. So what was the best thing you saw from Jamal? And is there another thing we haven't seen yet, but we need to see it, you know, for the rest of playoffs? After you, Mike. I think think that Jamal, I, I actually think this might be the series where Jamal does pull. MPJ in uh, to the series. And and I go back to the end of the season when, um, you know, Joker was making himself a bit more of a non-factor in things. And those last 10 games, Jamal was feeding Mike like crazy, just, just throwing him pass after pass. Um, I see a lot more of this in this series because I think that the Lakers are a better team to focus in on the two-man game. Um, so I think it'll be a matter as much of anything as opportunity um that way and so that's that's my hope anyway but i don't know brandon what do you think i think the biggest thing i would ask from him right now more of is taking and making open threes and Mm -hmm. i think in that bubble series going to the rack sort of applies within this logic as well in that bubble series he was coming off of michael jordan-esque play and he looked a little hesitant almost to I don't know if it's put those percentages or that newfound reputation on the line. 
and I wouldn't go so far as to call it scared at all, but juxtaposed with the utter fearlessness in rounds one and two, I thought it was a little bit like, uh, all right, I did my part. Now let's see what Yo can do. And sometimes we need more of that from Jamal too. We're very unfair on him, but I think taking and making the open threes is just something that is going to put a lot of pressure on that Lakers defense. Go to the rim, be willing to draw those fouls. It's not about more shots or more dribbling. It's just about a fearlessness and decisiveness in when he attacks. And I guess almost just like, you know, that get to that Booker stage of not not shot making because that's almost impossible, but belief in yourself. I think like, that's a oh, killer dude, take. I'm, I'm getting this shot up, man. Like, I'm not worried about it. And I think the overthinking creeps in because he has a difficult job of setting up an electric five-man unit, but then also needing to be the best scorer some nights. I don't think we realize how easy it is to uh, – hard it is to oscillate between those things. I think it's a killer take because it really um, – the the times I see Jamal, I feel like – when Jamal is most in trouble is that decisiveness piece when he can't make up his mind, whether he's, he's going or not. And, and all of a sudden the ball is sticking and that's that, that'd be the one piece I'd like to see for sure. Right. I I, I have a, like, like a, like a, like a snake oil seller kind of take here about Jamal. I think he works on adrenaline. Yeah. Like he needs his adrenaline to be super high to be completely engaged on both sides of the court. And maybe it would be smart for him to just let the, the big Somborian beast cook a bit at the beginning, then play some good defensive possessions and then get into the groove like when you're already pumped up. Because I know you're going to hit those those right. shots. Right. I mean, it's, it's just... He 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 is such a he's such a fascinating player to to, really to, to follow. He really is. Might be the most fascinating guys guy on the on the team. And it's we still don't really know who close. he is, man. And like who watches more than we do, but we don't know. And it's 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 just it's crazy to me. And it's I think um playing alongside a guy like Jokic, I think the role of second best player is a unique thing. And watching him navigate it both on and off the court. I'm, I mean, sometimes it can be utterly frustrating, right? But I think fascinating is actually the operative word as we've seen it go in every direction. We watched him, I mean, psych himself up that way against Shamit the other night in the second half, right? I mean, he, he, you watched him push that button for himself, just trying to get himself back in the game. I think, uh, I think he agrees with you, Miroslav. (laughs) Oh, one more, one more note on Jamal. So, an an extremely small percentage of his passes in the playoffs are going to Mike. I think only like 6% of his passes. I think it's only like 32 total passes have gone to Mike. 10 assists, 10 assists from those 32 passes. It's his highest assist total to a particular player outside of Jokic on the team, despite so few passes. Some of this is how Denver's offense operates, right? A lot of it is Jokic finding Mike or extra passes, swing passes. I get it. But I do think... One more thing to ask from Jamal as a point guard is like, yeah, I don't, I just think you got to trust him, man. If you're in transition and Mike is open, pass him the rock, in my, in my humble opinion. I, I believe it was like third quarter of the game five, and it was still a close game. And 
Jamal and, and, and Nicola were just spamming pick and roll right. like 10 times in a row. And it looked like it's, it's going another... I mean, it was a pick and roll again, but then all of a sudden, Jamal moved next to, to, to Nicola's screen and just slang uh, uh, an assist to, to open Michael Porter in the corner. And I was like, yes, right. <laughs> please, more right. of this. Yeah. More of this. You have a you have a hundred percent shooter from the corners. I mean, <laughs> he, he's being guarded, and I don't. This is one thing about Mike's playoffs. I don't think people are realizing like there's utility even when he's not hitting at a high rate. They are guarding Mike like an elite shooter. They the the spacing they are they are watching Yoke score forty, and they're still going. I'm I'm not helping off this dude, and so that so I think. Given how closely he's been guarded, how infrequent the shots are coming, you have to, he's still. If it feels to you like Porter's having a, a, a tough series playoffs from deep, he's still at 40% on 6.6 attempts. Like, let him shoot, especially when he's open. And I, and I do think you're going to see him hit a rhythm eventually. I also think that if the Lakers decide to guard him with somebody as short as Booker, like the right, Suns right. did, then yes. Mike should just consider himself open, period. I agree. So. Okay, Brendan, high five. The Brigenda lives. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, my MPJ quote is hit. We can talk about other stuff now. <laughs> it's time for our final break. Stop thinking about listening to Sun's Sad's, podcast again and stay <laughs> with us. All right, final segment here. I always wanted to say that. Screw you, Maris. You don't own that phrase. So, let's look a bit into the near future. Okay. The Lakers await. And I'm just going to say it. Torch them fools. <laughs> Are you telling me I should be afraid of a fake team miraculously constructed on the trade deadline that has beaten two very flawed and or injured teams? I mean, I wouldn't even be afraid of an agent champion that doubled down on Jordan Poole by offering him a near max contract and then now they watch him be a target in the playoffs, not to mention he's also one snarky comment away from another punch in the face by Draymond. But enough about the Warriors. <laughs> Their season is over. Let's let's think about the the, the Lakers and let's spit a spitball about them before we give out our final and official prediction for the series. It was maybe six weeks ago, Voya was here with me, and I wanted to speak about several playoff matchups back when we had no idea who would be the first-round uh, opponent for the Nuggets. But we were a bit verbose on the previous segments, so we had to pick only one of them, and of course, it was the Lakers, because that's the most fun thing to talk about. And what I said back then, and I'll stick to it, is, okay, they have Anthony Davis. Cool. So, Anthony Davis and what army is going to slow down Nikola? Have we ever seen AD guarding Nikola for the whole series alone, one-on-one? -on -one? Or have we seen him guarding him next to, you know, those other seven-foot dudes? Right. So, you can put Vando on Nikola and AD as a, as a help defender, but that's going to damage their already bad half-court offense and 
if you go the other way, who's going to slow down Jamal? Schroeder? Reeves? D'Angelo? Lonnie? I trust the Nuggets' defense if they are responsible on offense and they limit, you know, the live ball turnovers. Yeah. That's and get back on defense, you know, the way they should. Again, Lakers' half-court offense is not very good. Right. And Adam said it best on Twitter on Friday night. The Nuggets are today way better than in 2020. And the Lakers are way worse than what they were in the bubble. I mean, the clutch shooter, Anthony Davis, is shooting 27% on one three-point attempt per game in this playoffs, for crying out loud. So, uh, who who do you think is going to have a more difficult job between Nikola, Jamal, Michael Porter in this series? I think think it's got to be Jokic. I think... I mean, I would love to... Excuse me. I would love to just rip into Anthony Davis, like, exclusively, say nothing nice about him. Um, but I can't right now. I think he's playing at a really high level defensively and on the glass. I think this rebounding battle is going to be earth shifting, like continent shifting. I don't know. That's going to be crazy. I, I mean, I he, was think, re- he was really good on Kevon Looney. He was unbelievable. He, he's locked in right now on the glass. <laughs> he's locked in right now on the glass. I'm right. joking. Sorry. I, I know you are because it's Yoko. But look, Looney is a rebounding machine, dude. Like, I don't think that that's a small thing. Obviously, size advantage, all that stuff. So, but also Jokic just, we talked about where his motor is at. I think this is going to be the one that requires exhausting himself the most because I think part of it is going to be exhausting Anthony Davis. Get Jokic going off movement. A lot of high pick and rolls. Just make Anthony Davis move. Uh, He has to stay glued to Jokic in a way he couldn't against like Memphis. That free throw line block on jaw. Like, I don't know if he can really commit to those in the same way. So if he's glued to Jokic, I think a big part of Jokic's job is gassing him. Obviously because Jokic will score, but because I think you want to take Anthony Davis down a level defensively. That's the end. He's not, to me, on Jokic Embiid's level, right, in terms of the offensive consistency, but he is the best defensive big, maybe the best defender in the league, and that's where he's a superstar to me. I don't disagree, and I think I I think – the hottest take of the whole thing is that um, rebounding battle. I think you're absolutely right. But wherever that goes is going to be a lot of where this series goes. Um, and and Meryl, you brought up um, the help defense that way. I think because of that, it's going to be some pretty massive frontline battles, right? And and Vando was actually a first year player here when we were in the bubble when Mike was a rookie, right? And they were they were spending a lot of time with each other against each other back in those days on a practice court more than on the court regularly. But Mike's going to have to be the fourth part of that equation, you know. AG is going to have to be the fifth part of that equation. That that those three exceptional rebounders on our team are going to have to be ultra focused on at least taking those two guys out of the equation to the best of their ability. The only one more thing, Mirsav, I'm thinking about the Mike matchup. You know, Vanderbilt, I think right now you pencil him in as the starter on that team. But in this matchup, can you play Vanderbilt? Because I think one of he's a great defender, right? You would play him, I think, to slow Murray. Yeah. But thinking about the half court offense, 
the Lakers, that is. One of Murray, Jokic, or Porter, no matter how you slice it, probably Porter as I think about it, one of those guys just doesn't have to play defense now, right? Like you, the, the Nuggets will Venmo Jared Vanderbilt every time he shoots. Michael Porter was really good at being, you know, uh, a guy that was roaming the, the, the paint. Yeah. He was really good at it. I, I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Because he's probably the best shot blocker on the team. And I think that's a pretty sweet spot for him on defense. So yeah, if he I can don't... help off of Vando on, on that, I mean... He's I mean, helping off of Vando he's... is like an understatement, right? Like we, yeah. on the Nuggets, amazing high-powered five-man five half-court offense, we still have our own concerns about Gordon being ignored, right? Now you think about Jared Vanderbilt, who's not the shooter, the passer, the finisher at the rim, any of it. So that's... I, Mike should be getting three second violations. You know what I mean? If he's guarding Vando, like don't, that's, that's the guy. That's the guy you let shoot every time. So I, yeah. I wonder, um, conversely though, or, you know, if the Lakers go with three guards, you were talking about the advantage Mike now has from a size perspective, how much easier that makes life for Jamal. So there is a little bit of a, already on the surface level of the starter matchups. Like I think the Lakers have to make the first decision. I think the Nuggets will play Wendo off off the court, and I really hope that at some point LeBron is going to be the one guarding Jokic. And you know he's smaller than Nikola, but he doesn't look smaller because he's a giant human being. Yeah. And I don't think he would get the benefit of the doubt like like uh, like uh, Tucker gets uh, in Philly, you know, because you know he's a he's a huge guy and. Uh, even though it's the Lakers, it's the refs and everything, I kind of think, I mean, LeBron would not get away with with being super physical with Nikola because when LeBron is super physical, it shows. You can see it. I mean, <laughs> he's a massive dude. So, yes. and and we do remember. You, you remember that play Nikola had, you know, on LeBron like six, seven years ago. When he was playing one on one and he just scored on him, and when they asked him why he did it, he said, "I had a mismatch," and everybody laughed. But he actually had a mismatch right, because right. if you have a six eight guy, you're not stopping Nikola. So yeah, that's 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 one of my hopes to see if you have the front court of LeBron and AD, which is by the way the best front court they can take out, but it might not be big enough for. For the Nuggets exclusively, really. Well, and I think every time the Suns tried to go small that way, you still could leave big enough guys who could switch on the court where, you know, um, we, we've we talked about a lot about, you know, both Nikola and Mike being able to be exposed in previous schemes that way, but Mike is no longer that guy. And that's a part of why Nikola is no longer getting exposed in those schemes as well. So, you know, if you do go small, who do you put on Mike on the offensive end? D'Angelo. That's gonna he's gonna tear him apart, and and he ought to be able to still defend whoever he's got against him on that end as well. Also, so even if they do neutralize Nikola a little bit that way, and I think they could with either AD or LeBron. Um, the the magic of Joker is he he knows what to do in those moments. He he pulls you apart from from within basically. So. Mira, are you thinking <clears throat> that they're going to put LeBron on Jokic and AD on AG so that he can just kind of play free safety? 
I, I think that's their best bet. Don't, don't you think LeBron plays a little too much free safety too, though? Like, I don't know if he wants to play that much defense. Like, he is – and I don't I don't know where – this is the eternal question, I think, in this matchup is where is LeBron at, right? In his career, he is an all-time athlete at – I only need so much here. I only have so much to give. Here is when I apply the pressure. And I think we're – at this point in his career, that question is more interesting than ever, right? He did – do it a little bit last night of like, you know what? I can get to the rim right now. I have this in me across seven. It didn't look like it defensively. It didn't look like it. It's spotty. So is LeBron guarding Jokic for seven games? Now I know it's about the Anthony Davis help, but is that, are you exhausting LeBron there? And to the point where he's just a jump shooter on the other end, like I don't mind that as a nuggets, as a nuggets fella. Well, and for me, that's the big secret to the whole series is, um, I think LeBron, I, I, I hate to sound like Brooks here. I think LeBron is aging. Let's, let's put this a little more kindly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think AD um, is not up for 48 minutes for four games, let alone seven. I think we're young. I think we're strong. And I think especially because we've got four games at altitude, we just run them off the floor over right. and over right. and over again. And by game five, let's see if they've still got any gas in the tank, you know? AD is is such a hollow guy. I mean, he's big. He is a pterodactyl, but I think he weighs like 190 pounds because he's super light. He he falls down so easily. I mean, Faco Campazzo put him down. You know, on on, he, on he look. I know he won the title, but we were watching him fade away on Monte Morris, right? Like, bro, what's happening? He's a, he's a he's a bigger KD. I mean, it's he's sure. he's just that kind of pushable. Yeah. And it's if they put him, you know, straight one on one on Nicola, that that would probably be their best shot against the Nuggets because he really is a really really good defender. He's spectacular, yeah. But for how long is he gonna stay healthy? That, against, that's a lot. That's against yeah, two hundred and eighty behemoth. It, and I it's mean, you know the rebounding battle with Looney is not the same thing as defending Jokic. Of course, we know this and. Um, and then also I think Jokic's three-point shot is enough. It's there enough right now. He spent just enough time, this genius. He spent just enough time at the end of the season figuring it out. And again, I don't think you want him shooting nine threes, but whoever's guarding him, and it's probably AD in my opinion, has to take that earnestly, has to play him honestly. And you want him out of the paint. And that's where guys like Jamal and AG have to be merciless, right? And don't let anyone off the hook. But it's this is not the same thing as sort of he's been a monster, so I don't want to diminish it, but just camping out in the paint and sort of choosing when you ruin everyone's day. I think his job is much different in this series. Yeah, Nicola made seven threes uh, on Rudy Gobert three years ago in playoffs. So, you know. Yeah. If you try to leave him completely open, you can't do that right now. He's hitting, you cannot think, do that. Is he at like 40 plus percent in the play? 47, I think. Yeah, he, I was gonna say 48, something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he was better a bit not better. sag off. God, yeah. Okay, it is time for our predictions, and you have to be really careful what you're gonna say now. I'm gonna open the chat. Also, I'm gonna show what the chat is thinking, what will be the result of this series. So be careful what you're going to say because you know this guy is going to remember it forever. So, <laughs> so 
Who wants to start? You Please. want me to start? I, 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 I will start. start because I know I, I will start because I did not have to say one for the last round. So okay, that seems only fair. Um, you know, I think um, I think we're the better team. I think we're the stronger team. Um, I see a series falling together a lot like the one we just played. Um, I think I think LeBron's a monster, and I think AD will show up at least once. And I see Nuggets in six. I'm going Nuggets and six. I think, I think the Lakers at this stage, they just have this series in front of them. Can LeBron and AD be good enough, great enough for a couple of games? Absolutely, absolutely. You got to leave a little room in there, I think, for the the whistle. If you're if you're that type of uh, fearful fan, I think. Look, it's just a reality uh, of this matchup. But I think. There's a small chance that that side of the bracket was actually horrible. That the Grizzlies were at the end of their rope. There were some big injuries. The Kings, who I was impressed by their fight, and but, and I don't want to do this as a small market guy. They were the worst defense in the playoffs, right? They were a historically bad defense for a high seed in the playoffs, including some of the Denver years of of Denver teams of past. Is it that surprising that they lost in seven? No. Were the Warriors actually good? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they were, man. I'm not sure we ever saw enough to say for sure that that Warriors team was good. So I'm taking the Lakers seriously, but I I think there's an there's a 10% chance that this series reveals to us that side of the bracket was actually horrible the whole time, and the best team in the West has been staring us in the face since, you know, three months ago. Okay. I'm going to stand next to my guy, Patrick Rasmussen, and I'm going to say the same what he said. Nuggets in five, only loss in game three. And I'm going to add one, one more thing on, on that. I'm going to be pissed after that game three. <laughs> because I think they're going to have them in game three as well. It's just going to be, you know, maybe mm. maybe four, four fouls on your kitchen first half or something sure, like that. Sure. I mean, you you need to 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 be reasonable enough to say that yeah, they'll probably put him in in the foul trouble at least once in this series, if not twice. So yeah, if if things go well enough, I mean, this whole season has been strange because I talk to a lot of you know guys that are off the grid; they are not online talking with us every day. Normal people. Normal people, yeah, people with lives, yeah, and and what all all of them say to me is, I don't think the NBA was this bad for a long time. This is their take. Everybody is bad, so this is why the Nuggets are good. No man, no man. The NBA is really, really freaking good, but the Nuggets are just the best basketball team right now. Think, and that's that's yeah. why it looks like that. You see the flaws of other teams because you don't see it in your team, and that's that's basically it. There, sometimes I'm great take. Sometimes I'm like, man, the league is in a better place than ever, right? So much young talent everywhere, actually. And we we complain about parity. You know, I think especially because people don't know if they trust Denver. This is the least I've ever seen the consensus public opinion on who's going to win the title. People do not know, right? That's awesome. On the other hand, I watch the Nuggets and then I watch every other team and I think Jokic is the only good player in the league um, and everyone else <laughs> has a lot of work to do. 
So I'm I'm in between. <laughs> I go back and forth. <laughs> okay, Brendan, we have one super chat. Can you please read it for me? Because it's sure. Zach Rhodes, away. hello from Colorado. Love the show. Yes, and that that were the super chats. Okay. Well, well read. <laughs> Thank you guys. This was very fun, very insightful. Mike, do you have something cooking for us this WKND, aka weekend? Um, you know, I've I, I keep thinking that I'm going to write about something besides the Nuggets, but uh, man, that that's just not on the table for at least the foreseeable future. Um, anybody who's been doing this for a while knows that um, the last three Western Conference Finals that the Nuggets have attended. Um, they have won a total of four games against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, so time time to do a little payback. Um, I hope that's what I'm going to be writing about. But Destiny calls, fellas. Destiny calls. Let's see. B-Dog, thanks for pissing off Michelle by wasting your free time with me. It's Saturday. I she did not that. love it. She did not love it. But I'm happy. I'm happy. Come on. Another show with the fellas. What a treat. As for you, my dear listener, thank you for staying with us until the very end. Not the bitter end, just the end. You are an awesome human being and have great taste for Serbian-hosted Nuggets podcasts in English. So, see you next time and idemo nuggets.